evening, good evening. Better than a playground, huh? I know, I know. Hey, we were, I was joking with someone before the service. I think next year for the Devoted Conference, we're going to have a Dad's Help Hotline. Dad's Help Hotline. I know, because some of you, who in here was with your children alone for two days for the first time by yourself? Not for, not for anybody? Any first timers for that long of a period of time for two days? Many of you? Okay. All right. All right. Nice. I'm just saying, one day when they're older, like mine were, they made breakfast for me. Too. I know, I know. So I know you were making breakfast for them, but you you raise them right. Then they're going to be making breakfast for you when mom's when mom's away. So if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know first Saturdays of the month are special for us because that's when we share communion together. Uh, but it's also a time where we do a shortened message, and then we come back to an extended time of worship on the back end of the service, and we have people available to minister to you in prayer. So if you're here tonight and you've never had someone pray with you or pray for you or pray over you, I'm just going to encourage you to avail yourself to that moment that's going to be waiting for you. Even, even if even if you would say, I don't even know why I'm coming, I've just never had someone pray for me before, that's good enough. And then you just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to whisper and lead and guide and direct that prayer. And I trust that it's going to be a great gift into your life. And so we're excited because tonight to kind of prepare our hearts for that, um, I got a message from Alex Seidler, a good friend. He and his wife, Jody, who are the global missions directors for all of Elam Fellowship, which is the uh, group that we're affiliated with. We're a, a church that's part of that network. So they were going to be in town this weekend. They were going to be visiting. I said, well, you just can't come and visit. You need to share uh, and, uh, and just be a part of this prayer service. And so we're excited that they're here. So can you give Alex a warm City Life welcome as he comes? Thank you, Pastor Fred. He showed me what's in his gift basket and said, it's not just sweet tea. It's extra sweet tea. How many of you agree pastor is extra sweet? That's what he is. So, But it's such an honor to be with you. Uh, my wife and I just got back from a five-country tour in Asia. We were in Kazakhstan, Russia, um, the, city, the country where the coronavirus is. We don't have it. It's okay. Um, we were in Hong Kong, and then we finished in Thailand. And then next week I go to Kenya. So to say that we're busy is, is a kind way to say it. But tonight what's on my heart for you is as I get to travel the world, it's such an honor to serve in this way. We have missionaries all over the planet, apostolic works. As I travel the world, I see more of what Jesus sees. I see what Jesus saw when he was on the cross. Because it says in our Bible, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And the more that I travel, the more I don't see the problems, the more I don't see the issues, the more I don't see the communist nations and the closed door, the more that I travel, it's the more that I see exactly what Jesus saw and prepared his disciples for in Luke 10.2. And this verse of simply one verse in Luke 10.2 has arrested me for the past two years. I can't get away from it. Every time I go to read my Bible, every time I go to pray, every time I go to prepare a message, God is speaking to me in depth about this scripture. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there real quick. This is when Jesus is about to send out the first short-term trip. In the history of the world right here. This is about to happen. He has his team of disciples. There's 70 apostles gathered together. And he says this in Luke 10, verse 2. He says, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest fields. 
Now, City Life, tonight I want to I wanna talk about prayer. But first I want to talk about what Jesus saw and the problem that he was addressing. And I want to talk about the play that I would have drawn up to address that problem. You see, Jesus is saying the harvest is plentiful. That word plentiful means abounding. That word plentiful means beyond that you can see. We have friends that live down at Virginia Beach. They live on the third row. You can look out. I was there yesterday. I'm from Rochester, New York, but I was really cold yesterday, okay? It's like negative 45 degrees in Rochester, but I was freezing on the shores of Virginia Beach, and I'm looking out into the ocean, and it's overwhelming. That's what that word plentiful means. It doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't mean uh, you, you can manage it. It means overwhelming, and that's what Jesus is using to describe the harvest, and friends, as I travel the world, I'm telling you, I'm seeing this scripture come to life. The harvest is plentiful. It's overwhelming. And Jesus is saying that's not even the issue. The issue isn't that the harvest is plentiful. Here's where he describes the problem. The problem is that the laborers are few. And our, our, our Bibles in English don't do that word justice. If you study that word in the Greek, that word doesn't mean few like pastor has a few sweet teas in that thing. It doesn't mean a few. It doesn't mean something. It means puny. And as an American, that's an offensive word. We don't say puny. We don't, everything's huge. Everything's big in America. Everything's all. But Jesus is saying, listen, the harvest is completely overwhelming, and the workers to solve the problem are puny. Now listen, if you put me... If this is halftime, and Jesus is the coach, he's, 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 got, he's got his team around him, he's drawing up the play, here's it, they're killing us out there, they're overwhelming, they're everywhere, we can't even do anything to solve it. Listen, if that was me, the play that I would draw up is this, I would bring verse 3 into verse 2, because verse 3 says, go get them. But Jesus says, he doesn't say, therefore, give them everything you got, therefore, leave it all on the field, therefore, go kill them. He doesn't say that, he says, therefore, say it, friends pray. Therefore, pray. And I have been arrested. Pastor Vanessa and Pastor Fred, I've been arrested for two years, leading a missions movement around the world, saying, God, I want to go, but can you first help me pray? And I've been asking this question. That's how I feel inside. I've been asking this question. I've been saying, Jesus, why, why would you make that your play? Why would you say, before we go get them, first let's pray? And this is what the Lord has brought me through on this journey. The Lord says this, Alex, it's simply this. You see, if you become a people of prayer, what happens is you eventually become a people of dependence. See, what happens is when you get in my presence and you're, you're overwhelmed by the problem, you're overwhelmed by the issues, you're overwhelmed by life, what you want to do is you want to tap into the own reservoir of your own strength to solve the problem. And you have to understand, dear friends, if you're new in the kingdom or you're, you're older in the faith, it doesn't matter. Our first tendency when we face problems is to rise up within ourselves tap into our own chutzpah, tap into our own strength, and go after the problem. Who's with me? Listen, the most laughable, hilarious thing that you could ever believe in the kingdom of God, if you're in ministry or you're at work, you're giving your life, the most hilarious thing you could ever believe is, I've got this. I've got it all under control. I just need a little bit more, more me to solve the problem. Listen, I complicate things more than you could ever imagine. Most of my problems, I wake up and I see it every morning. It's called a mirror. I look at it and I'm like, Jesus, only you can help this mess right here. Only, 
Why would Jesus say first pray? Because he wants to bring you on a journey to transition from self-reliance, self-dependence to only him. So that way when you face a problem, you don't rise up with closed fists. You fall to your knees with open hands. You say, Abba, you know, I've faced this problem before. I think I have the play for this in my bag of tricks. I've seen what it looks like not to have the money for the rent. I've seen what it looks like to have my children be wayward. I've seen what it looks like to be frustrated with anxiety. And I think I can solve the problem, but I'm going to fall to my knees. I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm saying, God, can you help me? You see, the timing of Alex Seidler is different than the timing of God. And when you become a person of dependence, what you actually do, if you, if you picture like a metronome, if you picture like a, something going back and forth, the timing of God. If you ask a worship leader, the timing of God is 6-8, because that's where all the ballads are written. You know what I'm saying? That's where all the glory and the, the majesty comes down and fills the tabernacle. But if you, if you, if you look at the timing of God, when I, when, I, when I pray, when I get into his presence, when I allow me to leave the building and him to fill me, what happens is I get in on his timing. And now the things that I'm frustrated of why they're not happening now. Why isn't this happening? You said that. Now all of a sudden I'm, okay. See, our Bible say, at just the right time, Christ died for us. How do you, if Alex is thinking of an idea to save the world, first of all, I don't send my one and only son. And second of all, I can't choose a time for him to sacrifice his life. That's why we need to wait. That's why I need to pray. You trying to solve a problem on your own strength will just lead you in a loop of frustration. Listen, as I travel the world, I also meet with a lot of frustrated missionaries, pastors, and leaders. And the frustrations have to do a lot with timing. You see, because God spoke to them about a country. God spoke to them about a dream. God spoke to them about a mission. God spoke to them about a people but all of a sudden, they're, they're pushing their own timing. When you wait, you leave the building. When you wait, all of your ideas get depleted. And God brings in a beautiful separation from the good ideas in your life and the God ideas in your life. But it takes time. The harvest is overwhelming. Your problems, if all of us shared right now, all of our problems... We'd be here until November. We'd be here until Thanksgiving. Like we would not have enough time to share all the things that are going. The harvest is overwhelming. The issues of the world are overwhelming. Jesus says, therefore pray. Why would Jesus say that? Because he wants a dependent people. He doesn't want a self-reliant people. He doesn't want a people saying, God, I've got this. I don't need you anymore. You... No, he wants a people that are humble. He wants to use people that are weak. All I do is read in my Bible stories of men and women of God that are saying, God, you can't use me. God, I'm not the right person. God, I don't have, I don't have a voice. God, I don't, I don't know how to serve. I, I'm all messed up. And God says, exactly. All the reasons why you think you can't be used, if you bring them before me, Oh, my son and my daughter, I'll touch you. I'll heal you. My strength will fill you, and you will leave the building. All of your own efforts. You see, God ideas 
without God timing, produces man-made agenda. And that man-made agenda that we fall into so often leads you tired. It leads you frustrated. You get angry at God. Then you get angry at your pastors. Then you get angry at the people that are serving. Then you get angry. Why do we always take an offering? Then you get angry at the church. Then all of a sudden, you're just isolated in the middle of nowhere. And that's the, that's the enemy's plan. The enemy's plan is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he also wants to isolate you. He wants to take you out from community. When we wait on him, when you, we become a people of prayer, when we seek prayer, I think what you shared, Pastor Fred, about if you never asked for prayer, tonight's the night. You come up with humility. You've been handling it for so long on your shoulders. Now you come before the Almighty God and say, okay, God, I'm done. I, I give up. How many of you ever tried to figure out grace? That's the most laughable thing in the world also. Because after five years of not figuring out, you finally go, okay, God, I give up. And he goes, there it is. Now you can receive my grace. When you've exhausted every resource, when you've exhausted every option, now I'm your only one. I want to invite the worship team on stage. Because you know what else I find is that I find that a people of prayer become a people of dependence. But friends, I'm here to tell you tonight that a people of dependence on God for their strength, for their encouragement, for their vision, for their lives, a people of dependence always become a people of his presence. And his presence is the greatest game changer in the face of the earth. Sometimes you don't need another sermon. You need some more of his presence. Sometimes you read your Bible and it, you start thinking about all the names in the Old Testament. You get confused. So, sometimes you need to say, okay, God, I, I love your word. I trust your word. I know your word. But, God, I need you to overwhelm me with your presence. I need you to come and lift me up. I need you to come and encourage me. I'm a worship leader. So sometimes worship music gets in the way because I start trying to figure out the keys. I'm like, okay, no, they could have done that bridge a little bit better. I don't think that's, the, oh, they messed up. That, like, I have to say, God, okay, help me get away from the noise and help me get in to your presence. Charles Finney, the great revivalist, was doing revival meetings in Boston in the late 1800s. And there's stories documented of the presence of God being so strong in that area. That as they were doing meetings, as ships would come into harbor, the presence of God would fall on the entire ship. And as they came into dock in port in Boston, what they would happen is they'd, they'd dock, they'd, they'd link up, families would be waiting, and no one would get off the boats. And so a lot of people are like, oh, the scurvy must have come, or, you know, the pirates came. Like, no one knows what's going on. So families would start to board the ships, trying to locate their families. And they would come on, and they would find families huddled together on the ground, crying out to God in repentance. No one preached. No one passed out tracks on boat. I don't think there was a hidden agenda. It wasn't like a cruise ship sponsored by K-Love. There, there was nothing scandalous about it. It was the presence of God. And y'all know the Great Commission. I just picked up your missions uh, pamphlet there. Y'all know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. 
It says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, friends, those first 14 words are very important, but the last 14 words that make the Great Commission worth it, Jesus says this, and lo, even to the end of the age, I will be there with you also. You see, the Great Commission is great because of the great I am. It's because he's not just kicking us out the door to say, go get him, tiger. He's saying, as you go and do outreach, as you go and love your family, as you go and love your city, as you go and love your spouse, as you go and love your coworkers, I am going with you. And friends, he's looking for a people to be a people of his presence. I know that we hunger for revival in this house. This is a tribe and a family that you're, you're, you're wanting and you're longing, you're living in a move of God. But I'm telling you, it starts when a people of prayer give themselves to prayer. And then you become a people of dependence. God, I need you in my life. I invite the prayer teams to come up front also. But I'm telling you, thing that's, the thing that's going to change the world is not another initiative. It's not another missions trip. Listen, I'm a missions guy. You can't, you can't say that I said this, okay? You cannot retweet this. You cannot say this. What we need right now all across the world, dear brothers and sisters, a city life are a people of his presence. Sons and daughters of the Most High God that have encountered the life-changing presence of him where they forsake everything. They leave it all behind to follow whatever he asks them to do. So as we enter back into worship tonight, I want to invite you to stand up. And I want to ask you, where are you at in your journey? Are are you a little too self-reliant tonight? I want you to come up right now. And I want you to find someone and say, I just, I I need prayer. I'm going through this thing right now. I'm going through this, this, this financial struggle. I'm going through this personal struggle. And I've been, I've been holding it on my own shoulders. But tonight, I need a friend. Tonight, I need someone who can help me lay that thing down before the Lord. If that's you, I need you to come up front right now. You've been putting it on your shoulders. You're, you're fatigued. You're tired. Come on up front right now. I've got this burden. I've got this, I've got this sickness. If that's you, I need you to come up front right now and receive prayer. These brothers and sisters, this prayer team is with you tonight. There is no longer no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. These brothers and sisters are ready to lay hands and pray with you and agree with you. And maybe tonight you're saying, I need a touch of his presence. I need a touch of the glory of God in a fresh way. I want to become a person of his presence that's going to bring revival and bring change. If that's you, I want to invite you up front as well. You can come tonight. We're going to worship, and the presence of God is going to fill this place. So, Lord, we offer up a fresh sacrifice of praise. We offer up a fresh offering to you tonight, Lord Jesus. And as we lift our voice, and as we lift up our eyes, and as we see you for who you are, I pray that your presence would sweep through this house, God. Lives changed. Healing coming in the name of Jesus. Strongholds broken in the name of Jesus. So, God, we offer up this prayer time to you. I invite you to come up as you see lines that are open, people that are here. Come up and receive prayer. We're standing with you tonight.